Well, the last couple weeks we have done threes. Did uh, three women two weeks ago, and then we did three Gentiles last week. So today we're going to do John chapter 3. Different kind of three. So turn with me to John chapter 3. This, it would be hard to conceive of a chapter in the Bible that's more familiar to us than John chapter 3, but this series is called Insights from the Gospel, so it wouldn't be appropriate to uh, not delve into some of the most familiar things and see if we can get some new insights. Um, John chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Well, Nicodemus is, uh, according to a source I looked up, uh, a Greek name, actually. Uh, It has uh, Nike, which means what? Nike, Nike. Huh? What is it? Just do it. Just do it, yeah, okay. Just do it. Victory. This means victory for the people. So Nicodemus' name is victory for the people. So if it's really a Greek name, then it must be something like Peter, Petra. You know, Peter is English for Petra. Petra is Greek, and it's a Greek for, I think Matt said, Cephas, which is, or Cephas, yeah, and which is the new name Jesus gave Simon. So his Jewish name is Simon. No, no Jewish family that has the pedigree to get someone into the Pharisaical uh, ruling class is going to name their kid a Greek name. So this is, a, you know, perhaps a descriptive name, uh, or perhaps it's some sort of a transliteration of his Hebrew name. But it's interesting that we're going to have someone called Victory for the People come and interview Jesus. So Victory for the People was a Pharisee. The Pharisees are a political group that are descended from the Maccabees. The Maccabees were the group that were the defenders of the Jewish faith from about 160 uh, B.C. And they overthrew the Seleucid rulers, which was one of the four uh, branches from Alexander the Great. So they were the Greek rulers of that region of Syria, and they had Israel. They were trying to uh, spread Hellenism and they outlawed Judaism and the Maccabees rose up in revolt and uh, defeated them. And the Pharisees are the descendants of that basic uh, mentality, the defenders of the faith. And this one was an archon. In Greek, archon, we get our word monarch from the same root. Archon is ruler, so he's probably one of the Sanhedrin which was the 70 people that were actually the pinnacle uh, ruling group in the Jews. Of course, he comes to Jesus by night. And, you know, that I think tells us that he was not ready to, be a, uh, to do this openly. This is a, perhaps a risky thing for him to do. Perhaps not. Perhaps he is a sin on an emissary. We don't know. It doesn't tell us that. What we do know is how the re- interaction went. And he starts with rabbi, rabbi's teacher. And in Judaism, rabbi was uh, a very elevated position. It was was something that you would aspire to be if you're a young man. If you're from the northern shores of Galilee in that region, which had the uh, culture that had grown up in Babylon, 
where you have a synagogue culture, uh, you would, by the time you're 15 years old, know the entire Bible by heart. And you would aspire to be a rabbi. If you're allowed to be a rabbi, you would be go into a 10-year apprenticeship program and follow a rabbi. And then when you're about 30 years old or so, you would come into your own right and you would start to have your own following. Well, Jesus is about 30 years old and he's coming to his own right and has his own following, but he didn't go through the normal path to do it from any, according to anything we know. But Nicodemus honors him and says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. A very honoring way for Nicodemus to start the conversation. And Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I think we, the way they translate this, we kind of miss something that makes this, uh, I think, more interesting. Uh, when, when, when Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know, he uses a word that has as its root... Uh, Idon or Adon, uh, which which comes from the the root root, which is Horeo, which is to see. Horeo is to see. Adon or Oida is to see with understanding. So we use this in English the same way. If I say I, I see the door over there, uh, everyone would understand what. What would you understand? Yeah, there's a door, and the, the rays of the light rays have bounced off that door, come into my retina. It's registered into my brain, and I now know there's a door over there. But if I, I was talking to Al this morning, and he said something to me, and I said, "Oh, I see." So what what is uh, what what does that mean? Yeah. Oh, now I understand. We do this. We you you automatically know even with me out me telling you the whole story because of the inflection that I used. If I say, oh, I see, you automatically know I mean I understand. Well, that's what's happening here. It's the same root words going on. So really, I think a better translation would be, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we understand you're a teacher from God because you do these signs. And Jesus replies, most surely to say to you, you can understand. There's no way you can understand. Why? Unless you're born again. You can't understand unless you're born again. You can't see. Oh, we see. No, you can't see unless you're born again. Kind of makes it make more sense to me. Um, So Nicodemus says, well, so how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, Obviously, Nicodemus is asking a very relevant question. And Jesus says, Well, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, I think this is fairly plain. Born of water, what happens right before a baby's born? The water breaks, right? The baby's in water in the amniotic amniotic fluid in the in the uh, in the womb and right before the baby comes the water breaks so you've been born of water you got to be born physically and you got to be born spiritually that which born of the flesh is flesh and that which was born of the spirit is spirit 
Do not marvel, I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. So now, again, we miss something in, in English here because this word spirit is the Greek word pneuma. I'm, I'm pronouncing the P because that's what our guide in Greece told us we're supposed to do, although I, I think most Americans say not. We get our word pneumatic from this. It's spelled the same way, P-N-E-U, and that means air-actuated, pneumatic. So uh, pneuma means wind, and it also means spirit, but it's the same word. So without worrying about the uh, grammatical uh, alterations of the root word, Panuma, I'll say most assured. I'll read it the way I think that the way it actually is with the Greek in there. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and panuma, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of panuma is panuma. Do not marvel, I say to you, you must be born again. The panuma blows where it wishes, and you can hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the panuma. Okay. So you see, he's using the two uh, ways that uh, panuma is uh, applied, spirit and wind, to explain a physical reality. You've got to be born of physical. You've got to be born of the spirit. Uh, but they're both real. It's just one you can touch and handle, and one you can see the results of it, but you can't really touch and handle. This, this is not that hard. Well, of course... There's a lot of other things here uh, that I think we have to unpack. And one is, what, what does he mean cannot enter the kingdom of God? So obviously, we have to be born physically, and we have to have this spiritual birth in order to understand the kingdom of God. Well, what is the kingdom of God? Well, it's interesting that John only uses... Uh, other than in John chapter 3, he only uses this phrase, kingdom of God, in this way, two other places I could find. So let's look at them. Let's look at Revelation 1, chapter 9. I'm sorry, verse 9. Revelation 1, verse 9. I, John both your brother and companion, in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So here he's calling the kingdom of God. He doesn't say kingdom of God. He says kingdom of Jesus. It's clear by this point that those two things are the same thing. I, John, both your brother and companion, in tribulation and kingdom... And endurance for the word of God and testimony. He is exiled to a lonely sea island in, in prison or, or in some isolated uh, existence because of his testimony for Jesus. And he says, companion in the tribulation and kingdom. So... In this way, he's talking about the kingdom of God as something that we exist in right now by enduring difficulty, by standing for the word, 
There's an expectation of, of great tribulation in the kingdom. The second time he uses it in this way is also in Revelation. And in Revelation, and this time it's in chapter 12, verse 10. This is now in his vision. And he says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. Now they have come. Here, have come comes from um, a word that is genomai or genomai. And I need to I need to take a little break here and go to that because this is important. Look at John chapter eight. John chapter eight and verse uh, fifty-eight. It's a very familiar passage. John eight fifty-eight. Um, let me just do the lead up to this. Start in 52, the Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon, Abraham's dead. And the prophets, and you say, If anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who's dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say, He's your God. Yet you've not known him, but I know him. And if I say, I don't know him... I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews said to him, You're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Well, this was here is this word genomai. Genomai. Genomai means to come into existence because Abraham came into existence, didn't he? He was born. So before Abraham was birthed or came into existence, I am. I am is uh, E-I-M-I, Amy. And so this is ego, Amy. Ego is where we get our word ego from. I am. Ego, Amy. Ego, Amy means I am and always have been. I just exist. Before Abraham came into existence, I exist. Before Abraham, Gnomai, I Amy. Okay? Hang on to that because it's going to come back up again. But let's go back to Revelation chapter 12. And in, again in verse 10, the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come into existence. So that is yet in the future, even when John is writing this, it's in his revelation. So he says, I am on this island because of the kingdom of Christ. Because the kingdom of Christ is tribulation and keeping his word. And then a little later he sees the vision and says, the kingdom has come into birth, has come into existence. How do you reconcile those two things? How do you reconcile it? I'm living it right now and it's yet to come. Spiritual kingdom compared to the literal physical. Okay, so the spiritual kingdom compared to the actual uh, physical kingdom because today there's a a spiritual reality. To come will be a physical reality. And going back to John chapter 3, 
we, we are having this interview with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus starts with, I understand because I see something. I understand because I see what? Your signs. Your signs. That makes me understand. And Jesus' answer is, you don't understand unless you're born again, because you can only understand if you see spiritually. Why? Because there's two realities going on. We have a spiritual reality and a physical reality. And unless you can see both, you're not going to understand. Because the kingdom of God is both. And right now there's a separation. The unification is to come in the future. So, if you are not born again, you can't understand the kingdom of God. If you're not born again, you cannot enter. How can you enter something that is a spiritual reality without understanding? The way we enter is through understanding, isn't it? So first comes the birth, then comes the understanding, and by understanding we enter. John understood. What did he understand? He's 90 years old on Patmos. He's living the kingdom how? Spiritually. And how spiritually? By enduring tribulation and persecution without yielding. The kingdom of God. Well, do not marvel, he says in verse 7, that I say you must be born again. See the wind? You know the wind's real? You can't touch the wind? You have the wind in you? Spirit? Wind, spirit, same same word, panuma. See the panuma? It's blowing the trees. You know it's real? Can't touch it? Can't feel it? Doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's not real just because you can't touch it. It's the same thing with the spirit. Nicodemus answers and says, "How can these things be?" Now we have progress here, don't we? Why do we have progress? How did he start? I, know. I understand. Now what's he saying? I, don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, we're go- we're making real progress here. This is not a typical interaction that Jesus has with the Jews. What usually happens? I start with I understand and then I say you have a demon. You don't, you don't understand. So we see Nicodemus's heart here. Uh, no surprise he starts with I, I, I don't have any idea what you're talking about and ends up going and getting his body. Because understanding begins with what? A recognition that you don't understand. How can you know and learn until you admit you don't know and learn anything? Is anybody spending time with a two-year-old lately? What are they all convinced of, 100%? They have no need for understanding, right? None. They already know everything that needs to be known and are completely convinced in it until something hurts. And then they want complete comfort from you. They want to be bailed out. But do they want to learn and understand? Hmm, Probably not. I want to go touch it again. How can these things be? Jesus answered and says something very interesting. Are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Now, this brings up a real interesting question, which is, should... Nicodemus really understand these things? 
On the one hand, this term born again, I couldn't find it in the Old Testament anywhere. If it's there, I don't know about it. I've been told that the term was frequently used uh, uh, referring to like baptism and things like that. Like, you know, you're, you're renewed. I, I did find in the LXX, which is the Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament, uh, the term born again twice. It's, it is in the context um, interpreted in the renewal. The renewal, like when, when the earth is made over again. Uh, it's not really given an individual uh, renewal. But I, I don't think this term is a common term in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures. The way I've, I've been uh, taught about this is that, um, you know, uh, right about the immersion, um, you know, the temple is where Jesus will reign during the kingdom, and the closest part to be to him is in the temple courts. Now, before you ascend and go on to the temple, you had to go under the water. And under the water, the mikvah, so the ritual uh, bath. In order to enter the temple or the kingdom, yeah. I.e., you must be uh, renewed. Now, Purified. Everything in Judaism is like this, though. Rosh Hodesh, which is the new moon, is done like that, the cycle of the year. So everything kind of points to this renewal concept. Constant and renewal. There's, there's, mm-hmm. um, in the Jewish mysticism, they elaborate on this. you know. But, right. So Okay. So, um, but but this the, the term itself, I, and interestingly enough, in the New Testament, this term is not very common either. I sort of thought it would be. I looked up like uh, born again, and it only popped up a couple times. In fact, other than John 3, I only found a couple. I, let's turn to them. 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 23. Now that the word again can be translated above, born from above. Okay. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. Um, having been... So, 22, starting 22. Since you've been purified your souls, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth... So, we're talking here to a group of believers who are going through persecution and they're enduring and Peter's trying to encourage them. Through the Spirit... In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. So that's, that's a usage of it, and it's the same usage here. I think you've been born again, so now live consistent with that new birth. Uh, the term is used in Galatians 4, and it's used uh, to refer to the birth of Isaac. Uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, Isaac versus... Uh, I can't remember who the fleshly Ishmael, yeah, Isaac versus Ishmael, kind of a analogy that he does, and you know, not exactly doesn't fit into the typical John three thing. And then John uses "born of God" five times in First John, and that's it. Born again's really that's a, that's all I could find. If if it's out there more, I just didn't come across it, which actually surprised me because we use "born again" so um, so. Uh, almost universally, you kind of expect it to show up everywhere. So, you know, it's not used that much in the New Testament. I didn't really find it in the Old Testament. Why is, why is God, Jesus saying to Nicodemus, uh, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand this? Well, let's look at some other things that I think make it clear that Nicodemus really ought to understand this principle. Notwithstanding the phraseology of birth perhaps not being that common. Um, 
so let's look at Exodus 31. We'll just we're going to make a little tour through the Old Testament here and look at some kind of key uh, passages to see the principle is here in spades. Exodus 31 verse 3. Um, the Lord spoke to Moses, and oh, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I've called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works. And this is for the tabernacle. So where does the, if you're a Jew, do you rever the tabernacle? Where did the, where did the amazing wisdom to build the tabernacle come from? Spirit of God. Alright, let's look at Numbers 11. Numbers chapter 11, verse 17. Uh, Start it with 16. The Lord said to Moses, Gather me 70 men of the elders of Israel, who you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the Spirit that is upon you and put the same on them, that they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it alone. If you're a Jew, do you rever Moses? A little bit. Okay. Where did the amazing leadership of Moses come from? All the wisdom to lead the people. Spirit of God. How about the elders? With him. Spirit of God. Uh, let's look at Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And verse 14. This is Moses' last speech before he goes into the promised land. Uh, and let's just go, probably need to start with 11. For this commandment I command you today is not too mysterious for you. It's not far off. It's not in heaven that you have to say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it we may hear and do it. You don't have to get an angel to explain this. It's not that hard. Nor is it beyond the sea. You should say, he'll go over the sea for us and bring it to us may hear and do it. You don't have to get some missionary to come explain this. It's not that hard. It's easy. This is easy. The word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Why is this easy? It's in your heart. You know the right thing to do. So speak it. Speak what's true and do it. See, I'm putting two, two paths before you today. One's life and one's death. If you want life, then do what you know is right. If you want death, then do what you know is wrong. It's your choice. Okay. Now this doesn't talk about the spirit, but where does life come from? Life and death. From the heart. By faith. Paul uses this passage as as the passage to show what the righteousness of faith looks like in Romans 10 starts in the heart let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 34 just a few um, chapters further 34 verse 9 now Moses dies upon Mount Nebo overlooking the promised land and now the next revered uh, figure comes in who is who Joshua. So now Joshua comes in, and in verse um, 30... Oh, 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 what am I doing? Yeah, 34 verse 9. Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So you rever Joshua too, right? If you're a Jew, where did Joshua's great leadership come from? From the spirit. Well, let's keep going. Judges chapter 6. 
I'm just using one. I'm just using uh, one example here. Judges uh, chapter six, story of Gideon. If you're a Jew, do you rever Gideon? He's one of your great deliverers, right? Uh, verse 33, Then all the Midianites, Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together. They crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel, which is the valley of Armageddon, by the way. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet. And the, uh, and the uh, people gathered around him. So, how did Gideon come to do this great deliverance? From the Spirit. You get the point? First Samuel... Um, 11, Saul's king, the Spirit came upon him. When did his trouble start? Spirit, Spirit left him. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, David is anointed king. From that time on, the Spirit was upon him. And David writing in Psalm 51, Renew a right spirit within me. Let's look at Isaiah 61, which is gone. Now we're in the king's. It just keeps going and going. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Who's this talking about? The Messiah. This is written 700 years before Jesus' birth. But this is talking about Messiah. If you are a Jew, do you rever Messiah? Where is the ability to do the work of Messiah going to come from? The Spirit. And finally, you get Zechariah, next to the last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter uh, 4. And verse 6. So he answered to me, this is an angel answering, and says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is the guy who's going to go rebuild the temple. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So don't you think it's appropriate for Jesus to say to Nicodemus, you're a teacher of Israel... And you don't know this? This is like the thing. You look at all your heroes. You look at your Messiah. You look at the, uh, the, the, the covenant that, that really uh, is the, the covenant with God as between Him and His nation and Deuteronomy and the guts of that, the core thing in that. And they all come back to one thing. Faith in the heart and the Spirit. Well, back to John 3. Most assuredly... So you're a teacher of Israel. You don't know these things? 3 verse 11. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know. Why is he saying we? Well, we're talking... Jesus is speaking here. We, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. Now, when we started this, we used see like, oh, I see, I understand. This is not that word. This is the see the door word. So now, he starts with 
look, Nicodemus, you can see the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind. And now he says, I, we, have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and do not believe, how would you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Who's who's seen? Jesus. And what has He seen? Heaven. So you can't see the Panuma, but I have seen the Panuma. Is it getting harder, harder or easier for Nicodemus? <laughs> he starts with, how do you do these signs? And I, so I see, I understand you do these signs. No, you don't understand. Unless you're born again. Born again? How can I go back in my mother's womb? Well, you've got to be born in the Spirit. You know, there's spirit, and there's physical, and that which is Panuma is Panuma, and that which is Sarks is Sarks. And so you've you got to understand there's these two things. How can that be? You're a teacher of Israel, and you don't understand this? Look, we, we, we have seen heaven, because that's where we came from. And... This, might, this really gets bizarre. Do you notice what it says at the end? Uh, of, let's see, verse 13. Looks what it says at the end of verse 13. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Well, okay, so where's Jesus? In heaven. And He's talking to you right now. So we are in heaven right now, which is where we came from, and we've seen the Panuma, and so we're explaining it to you. It's not a place, it's another dimension that overlaps with our dimension. Well, it is. It is, and it's a place. It's I go there. Okay. So if you're Nicodemus now, what are you thinking? Why did I come? Why didn't I just play cards tonight? What is this guy doing to me? And when he says we, so we came from heaven, we have seen the Spirit, we are in heaven, what's his claim? I'm God. I'm God. Well, yeah, oh man. Let's go back to John 8. Verse 58. John 8, 58. This is, this is something I think that shows up in the book of John multiple times. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That I am, same word, root word as I am in heaven. I am. Fairly clear claim he's making here. Now, again, the typical response of the Jews when they realize what he's saying, you're making yourself out to be God, is what? Yeah, pick up stones. Nicodemus, you know, let's give him some credit. He recognizes, well, I guess I don't understand. He gets chastised. He's still not running away. He's not picking up rocks. And we know he believed. And then he says, 
something even more bizarre. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now he just got through talking about what place? Heaven. Okay, is heaven an elevated thing? It's very elevated. Well, let's look at this term, lifted up. I think you'll be surprised. So what, what are we, what's he talking about being lifted up on? The cross, right? So let's look at lifted up. Look at 1 Peter 5, 6. We're going to look at this same word. It's hypsao. H-Y-P-S-O-O. Hypsao. Okay, lift it up. Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter 5. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may hypsao you in due time. Okay, so what is, what's the point there? What, is, what, is, what does hypsao mean there? Exalted. Be exalted, right? What, what does that exaltation look like? If you, we humble ourselves under God, what does He promise to do? Lift us up how? In His time. In His time, but what, how, what's that going to look like? Yeah, what, what are the rewards going to look like? Well, we reign with him on his throne? Man, I'm going to put you... Have, has anybody seen the Lord of the Rings movie when they coronate Aragorn? That's it. Okay, that's what he's saying. I'll do that. I confess you before my father? Hey, hang on just a sec. I want to go tell my dad what you did. Come here. Would that be cool? Can, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. Right? So, this is exaltation. If you'll humble yourself, I'll exalt you. Same word. Uh, let's look at James 4.10. James 4. Humble yourselves in the sight of God and He will... Hipsao you. What's he talking about there? Same kind of thing. Maybe on this life too. Let's look at Acts 13. Acts chapter 13. Verse 17. Uh, start with 16. Then Paul stood up motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, you who fear God, the God of this people Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt and with an uplifted arm brought them out of it. So what's the exaltation there? How did God exalt them when they were in Egypt? He delivered them how? Plagues? Well, when the plagues came, what did Pharaoh say? No! They got somebody on their side that's not on my side. Right? Did the plagues come on them? On the Israel? Just on Egypt, right? And, and when they left, what did they leave with? Gold, right? Everybody's like, hey, let me, give me, just go away. Go away and, 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 and pray for me because I don't want any more of that. Let me that's how they had so much gold for the tabernacle and the temple and all that stuff, right? Just go away here and give me this. He exalted them. Let's look at Acts 5. 
Acts 5, verse 31. Starting 30, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to His right hand to be Prince and Savior. Exalted. Hipsao, lifted up. What does that lifted up look like? Coronated to be the king of the world, right? King of the universe. You starting to see something odd here? Let's look at Acts 2. Acts 2, verse 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and being received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this on you which you now see. In every one of these instances and every other ones I've found, there's there's about four more I've found, it's always something wonderful, some kind of wonderful exaltation lifted up to some place of glory. And here, back in John chapter 3, uh, Jesus is saying, if I'm, I'm going to be lifted up on a pole like the snake, and He's talking about the cross. I'm going to be lifted so that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. I'm going to be elevated so I can be elevated. I'm going to be elevated so that you can be elevated. But this elevation is not going to be what you typically think of to start with. It's going to be so whoever has enough faith to look will be saved. Now, in the story of the snake, the people disobeyed. God sent serpents. The serpents bit the people. They had venom in them. The venom was going to kill them in time. It's a, it's a time fuse. If you get bit by a rattlesnake, you got to, if, they give, if you get a full jolt... You got about 45 minutes to live unless you get an antivenom. That's about it. So they had some time, not much. And and Moses, they they came and said, We sin, please help us. And Moses says, uh, and God tells Moses, put a fiery snake on a pole, and whoever gets bit and looks will be saved. Saved from what? Death, right? So you had to have enough faith to look in order for this poison. Not to destroy you. That's the, that's the illustration here. And Jesus says, I, next time I'm going to be lifted up. And whoever has the poison, do we have poison? It is sin, right? From the fall. Whoever has that poison, they've got time. How much time do we have? Our life, right? If we take that time to have enough faith to look, we're saved. Saved from what? Death. Born again. Born again to what? To life. And as Moses lifted up the snake, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, elevated, exalted, but not in an honoring sort of a way we usually think of, but in a different kind of a way where he's honoring the will of the Father. God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world but the world through him might be saved. He who believes is not judged, is the, real, the way the words really use. He who does not believe is judged already, because he, because he is not believed. Okay, now this eternal life, let's just look at that to end. 
Eternal life is two words, aionios zoe. Aionios zoe. And zoe is uh, a different word than what we usually think of as like being alive life. When you, the being alive life is the word pasuke. We get our word psychology from it. So let me, let me give you... Um, uh, well, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? This is so good, I'm going to save this for next week. <laughs> next time I'm here. I'll save this for next time I'm here. And we'll do eternal life and condemnation out of John chapter 3 because I'm, I've got a lot more great stuff here and I'm out of time. Okay, I'll give you the bottom line though. The bottom line is, just like in this physical life, life is a gift, but whether you enjoy it or not has a lot to do with the choices you make and the perspective you choose to have. Have you ever heard anybody say, he threw his life away? What does that usually mean? They went back in their mom's womb? Does it mean that they went and burned their birth certificate so they didn't exist anymore? It means they made bad choices, right? Um, well, that's, that's what we're going to see is the bottom line here. We have, we have ages within ages. Aionios means to the age. We have ages within ages. One age is our life within the age of this earth, within the age of the... the uh, the economy of God. And within those ages, we have multiple opportunities to experience life. And what we're going to see is how the Scripture unwraps this life within life within life. And as it turns out, if we walk by faith in this life, walking the kingdom in tribulation for the Word, even though we have trouble by doing so in this life, we actually get life in this life. Zoe in this pasuke. If we lay our pasuke down, we pick it up, up our pasuke for Zoe, we're going to see. And, uh, and this, this wonderful principle of the gift and the reward being two separate things and the re- gift having to do with Jesus uh, just giving, and the reward having to do with our daily dependence on Him and our daily walking in faith is going to really come unravel. Uh, you know, John says that he wrote this book for one reason. What is? What is it? Or two reasons, sorry. Does anybody remember? I, that you may know Jesus is the Messiah and believing you have life, Zoe, in His name. So he wants us to come to faith, to be born again, and then to walk in faith that we might have Zoe. And we'll unpack that more next time I talk. Thank you for coming. Bye. I ran over.